All right, welcome on in. AI Podcast Now, week 26. I am Austin Coates, live in Kansas City, Missouri, joined as always by Isaiah Sanders in Nashville, Tennessee. Two states, one podcast. Isaiah, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, just and, and counting down the days until the NFL draft, which is basically like a second Christmas for me, especially <laughs> when the Chiefs have two first-round picks. Uh, I'm a bit, obviously, a football nerd, and uh, I just I love the team-building process. I love seeing uh, teams, how teams approach the draft, and yeah. I'm I'm very excited for next Thursday. Yeah, it should be very interesting. And I know we told the viewers, or rather the listeners, last week we would have a mock draft. This week, uh, we did not realize what day of the week it was. When uh, we more like I didn't realize. I just I just was bored <laughs> vomiting and said, "Oh yeah, next week." And yeah, it's definitely next week. So yeah, so <laughs> it'll be next week. We will have the mock draft episode out. Prior to the draft starting, we normally release on Thursday. This will release on Wednesday. And, um, yeah, so it should be a good time. Uh, Before we dig into the Chiefs and uh, some interesting news we were talking about beforehand, you know I got to get my time in about the Kansas City Royals, your favorite, uh, your one and only baseball team, the Kansas City Royals. I did not predict last week what they would finish in the coming week and it's probably a good thing that i didn't because they ended up one and three with two rainouts. so they didn't play two games due to weather um they got beat by the cardinals last week when we were recording they made a valiant comeback but they lost got beat by the tigers twice in a row one of the days where your guy brad keller who ladies and gentlemen if you missed it Isaiah Sanders thinks that Brad Keller will win more games pitching for the Kansas City Royals than the Chiefs will win next year. So there's that. Um, Keller, he pitched pitched well. I'll give him that. Uh, He had a 1-0 lead working into the seventh inning, and then he just got an absolute frozen rope hit off of him by Tigers first baseman Spencer Torkelson, and that was the game. Royals ended up losing 2-1, to one, but Keller really pitched well, so really excited to see what he does in his next start, actually, uh, which should be sometime this week. But Royals did end up winning on Saturday, uh, thanks to a Hunter Dozier home run. So the Royals now sit at 2-4. and 3-5. Uh, sorry, 3-5. and five, And they will play the Minnesota Twins. For four games starting, or three games starting tomorrow, and they'll go on the road to Seattle and play the Mariners for three games until next Tuesday, where they play the White Sox. So we have the Royals playing roughly six games. In fact, it will be six games due to when we're recording next week's episode. You know what? I'm going to be a little optimistic here. I'm going, uh, Royals are going to go three and three. So this time next week, they will be six and eight. That's my prediction. I uh, don't know if you want to add to that or not. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say the Royals go uh, two and four. I think they pick up a couple against the old Twinkies. Um, but I watched uh, Ichiro Suzuki throw out a first pitch in full uniform. 
And so, yeah, I think the Mariners are going to go on a bit of a hot streak here. A um, couple of Royals factoids for you. Uh, they currently have the best uh, winning streak in the AL Central at one game, um, tied with the Twins. <laughs> and they have um, the third worst run differential in Major League Baseball at minus 16. So, um, <laughs> couple of reasons to uh, be either excited or depressed about the Royals. Like I said, best best current streak in the AL Central. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> see, here's the thing, and this goes to the run differential. Um, the Royals led the league in walks last year from a pitching standpoint. And that is a recipe for giving up runs. And they have picked up right where they left off this year. It has not been great so far. I'm really hoping that it'll turn around. It's a small sample size thus far, so I can't really make too many snap judgments about it. But before we move on, I did want to debut this short little segment that I had to rename... (laughs) at the request of my co-host, because apparently it was, uh, the name was indicative of male genitalia. There's some flaccid imagery and, uh, with your, uh, okay. name your, episode, your segment, so. Yeah, and Take so. Take what you will about that, listeners. Of, I'm not sure about Austin. Yeah, the, the thought here was, uh, if this were to go viral, this is not what we want to be known for. So. Welcome to Dingerville. Every week, I will tell you what Royals hit home runs the last week and how they're doing this year. So this week, we've only got two, really. Salvador Perez hit two home runs. Two dingers, rather. I'm not calling them home runs. They're dingers. Salvi hit two dingers last Tuesday. He's got two on the year. And then Hunter Dozier hit a dinger on Saturday. That's his first of the year. So that's it. Royals have only hit three home runs. I believe that is also last in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So hopefully more next week. I don't know. We'll see. So now before we move... Austin wanted to name that segment Dongville. Dongtown. Come on. Dongtown. My mistake. Dongtown. It's a synonym for dinger. If anybody wants to tweet at Coat Factory on Twitter and let them know what an awful name that would have been, uh, please go ahead and do that for me. So uh, yeah, no one, no one's gonna tweet at me for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> before we move on, we got to get to the minor league minute this week with Evan Masters. So Evan, what do you got for us? All right, thanks, Austin. I uh, I appreciate it today. I just had a couple things I wanted to to bring to the attention of the podcast and uh, to our listeners here as well. Uh, starting with uh, a couple of grievances that I had. Uh, just about uh, Carlos Santana. I was out at the K this weekend, and uh, I was watching Carlos Santana, and he's hitting 77. Oh, zero. Zero. So you could hit oh, better yes. than that. And uh, my man, my man is out there taking reps. 36 years old, away from uh, what could be the new Eric Cosmer, Nick Prado. Nick Prado's down there in Omaha. You know, he's, he's, he's struggling. He's not pushing the envelope thus far. But, uh, I mean, if I was sitting there watching Carlos Santana block my position at the majors, I don't know how hard I'd be trying down there in Omaha either. So, 
that's number one. How long do the Royals wait to bring up uh, some of these young guys down in Omaha that we're just we're just waiting, waiting to see what they can do? I'd rather see, you know, one of those guys play first base. You know, Prado or Melinda, see what he can do at first base. You know, get him some reps at the big league level as well. Because um, at the end of the day, this team really isn't all that different than the one last year, with the exception of Bobby Witt Jr. and Zach Greinke. So, I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna lose 90 games again, this is the squad to do it. I agree. <laughs> and then the other thing, I got, I got a couple of gripes with the the fans here in Kansas City. <laughs> what are we doing? I'm out at the K on Saturday. Royals are up one nothing in the second inning, and some fans out in right field started the wave. And if you know me, Austin, Austin's laughing because we know you love that. <laughs> he knows I love the wave. And I get the wave. You know, do the wave. Do the wave when you're down ten runs. You know, down ten runs in the seventh inning. No one's there anyway. Might as well start the wave. But when you're in a tight ball game, one nothing in the second inning. Royals are up. What are we doing? And those same fans, these are also the people, second gripe, right? The Royals are going to move, they're going to have to move out of Kansas City if you feel, if you folks keep leaving in the eighth inning. we got 12,000 fans out there. Royals are up 3-1. We're leaving in the eighth inning. What are we doing? You're not even going to hear the Beatles sing, hey, hey, hey. You never leave when you're winning. Everybody knows that. Or when you're losing. I mean, yeah. Left in the wild card game too. Mm, yep, <laughs> y'all know who you are. <laughs> anyway, oh. that, those are my gripes for the week. Uh, I just hope we get to see some of these young guys up there soon. Couldn't agree more, ladies and gentlemen. That is Evan Masters again, friend of the show. This has been the Minor League Minute. And again, that was Evan Masters with the Minor League Minute. You can hear it here every single week. Uh, it can be hard to squeeze it in next week with everything we got going on, but we'll make it happen. Um, so that concludes the baseball talk for this evening. Now we're going to kind of move on to some Chiefs-related stuff and some things that we heard. Uh, rather, I, I was looking on Twitter just before we talked, and uh, we talked about this, and I want to bring the conversation to the people, is I saw that the Minnesota Vikings, who pick 12th in this year's draft, may be interested in trading down from number 12. And essentially what it would take for the Chiefs to move up into that position, according to Charles Goldman, who's a writer for one of the Chiefs' websites, the Chiefs would have to give up the 29th, 62nd, 94th, and 135th pick, which I believe is pretty much a pick in rounds one through four, um, in order to move up to 12 to presumably get Jamison Williams, I would think. Uh, Most mock drafts have him going in that 10 to 13 range, but you saw one that was even higher than that. So what do you think about the possibility of that being an option for Brett Veach, and should he really consider doing that? So when you're trading up the draft, you're always going to pay a premium. Um, To me, giving up, Four picks for one uh, would be a little pricey, especially for a dude coming off of a torn ACL. Um, if he were healthy, that'd be another discussion. Because um, obviously we've seen Alabama receivers be 
highly effective in the NFL, whether that be Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Devonta Smith, um, and now obviously we have uh, James Williams coming into the league. And this dude, don't get me wrong, this dude's a blazer. Um, you know, six one coming at a buck eighty. Um, could easily be called the most talented receiver in this draft outside of maybe um, Drake London, the USC wide receiver. Um, but to me, I just, I can't, I don't think I'd be okay with them trading up all the way to 12 to come get him because to me that says um, a couple things. One, uh, that probably no receivers have come off the board at that point. Uh, up to number 12 and that that means the chiefs moving up to 12 they said okay this player has fallen too far and you know we had a you know top five grade on him we had him as the fifth well we just had him as the fifth player in this draft and if you're in a situation where your fifth best player has fallen to number 12 you know, that means you're saying that the Panthers, Giants, Falcons, Jets, and Commanders all said, you know what, we either don't want a receiver or we need something more, or you're admitting that um, you have a much different grade than the rest of the NFL, essentially. Because other teams would also have a position to trade up that might even have more picks available than the Chiefs do. Um, you know, team like the Saints that obviously motivated to move up in this draft. Um, team like the Packers that have some extra picks after the Devontae Adams trade that already have a little higher positioning. Um, and so I just, it's hard to trust trading up in the draft um, because while you can gain some, gain some advantages through scouting, um, the league is often at a pretty solid consensus um, within five or so spots about where players should be graded, should be valued. Um, So when you're moving up 17 spots, it better be because we are one player away from being a contender. Um, And obviously when you're a team like the Chiefs that have been in contention, it would have to be for a guy, and I just can't see them doing that for a guy that might not even contribute until December. Um, and doing that as a rookie, you can't expect him to come in and like push you over the top necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty risky. Now, it'd be a completely different thing if he was healthy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if he was healthy, I don't know that he's still sitting there at 12. Right. Um, he's probably picked ahead of that. But at the end of the day, you're right. He tore his ACL in January. Uh, Modern medicine is a great thing, and we see guys coming back from Achilles injuries and ACL tears faster than ever now. But it's still a risk of re-injury to be uh, performing like that. And you're right, he's a rookie. We've seen how Andy Reid handles just new <laughs> members to the team in general. Like, if you make a mistake, like, you're done, almost. There's not a lot of, you know, grace, especially with, well, I think there's definitely not a lot of grace in running with running backs with his system. If you continually fumble the ball, like, 
you'll see the bench. Um, but we you'll saw with Josh Gordon, everyone made a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, yeah, Josh Gordon, everyone made a big deal about him this year. Um, you know, probably he, probably more of it is that he's, you know, not in playing form anymore, but really a non-contributor, stuff like that. So I just don't think that someone could come in later in the season probably and make an impact, regardless of whether or not they're a rookie or not. Um, the Chiefs have a very complex playbook, and a lot of their success offensively comes from the players ad-libbing with Patrick Mahomes. And so that's going to be something that is going to be interesting to see this year as well with all these new receivers, is how long is it going to take them to get on the same page um, as the quarterback? Because Tyree Kill had that better than anybody. Um, and so that's one of the one of the big reasons really I'm I'm upset about Hill being traded is that him and Mahomes had a connection. They just like were reading each other's minds kind of like him and Kelsey have. So another thing to kind of go along with this we found out today that uh your former uh team yep. the Kansas City Chiefs actually kept Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in the loop when it came to the trade conversations for Tyree Kill. And tell tell the people what you uh, told me Patrick Mahomes said regarding the trade. Oh, that he was shocked. Um, you know, just had initial aftershock seeing that uh, Tyreek had been traded, which I think uh, is pretty much the consensus among Kansas City fans. Um, obviously, Tyreek had a huge impact as a player for the Chiefs organization. Um, I think everyone thinks about um, that play in the Super Bowl, um, Jet Chip Wasp, where he mm-hmm. got open on the post corner, um, and obviously incredible play by Mahomes there. Um, but this is a dude that has beat consistently beat defenses over the top, um, can make plays in space, create yards after the catch, and so to see a player like him traded in the prime of his career. Um, yeah, it's it's rare to see someone like him, especially on a successful team. It's one thing, like a Jalen Ramsey type, where, okay, he was on a bad team and gets traded to a contender. In this situation, mm-hmm. we're seeing a contending team trading to who would be closer to essentially what the Jaguars were. Um, I mean, this is a team that just fired their head coach, which I don't think they should have done. Um, and they're dealing with, uh, hold on, hold on. You, you think that they should have kept urban Meyer? No, I'm sorry. If confusion. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm talking I about the dolphins. Said... I'm talking about the dolphins. They, yeah, the yeah. Jaguars 1000. They should have Forest. never hired urban Meyer. <laughs> um, no, Flores. Yes. Still Brian there. Flores should still be the coach there. Uh, he's going to do fantastic in Pittsburgh for one season and then get another head coaching job is my hope. Um, so somewhere outside of the AFC, preferably because he's a hell of a ball coach. Um, but all right, losing my train of thought after that urban Meyer catastrophe. Oh, but yeah, just seeing a team that is contending trading away a multiple time, all pro, um, for picks is pretty surprising. Well, obviously, Mahomes is, I, 
have to understand that he'd be shocked about that. Obviously, they, they're holding on to Travis Kelsey, and they kept Kelsey in the loop on that because obviously those two have built up rapport over their time in Kansas City together. And so it will certainly be an adjustment for this Chiefs offense not having um, that elite threat because, I mean, Tyreek's the guy that changes the math um, for defensive coordinators. And right now, um, they mm-hmm. they don't have that anymore. Yes, they have Patrick Mahomes, and he presents more problems for coordinators. But when you add Tyreek to that mix, it does so much more. And so, yeah, not surprised by Mahomes' reaction. Um, but I'm sure Mahomes will get on track here with Juju and um, what Valdez Scantling, right? That's our other, that's you guys' other receiver mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So, and then I fully expect one of these first round picks to also be a wide receiver. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm still a little shocked that the Chiefs decided to get rid of Hill when they did because to me he always seemed like he was one of those guys who was untouchable, right? Mm-hmm. It was him, obviously it's Mahomes, Chris Jones probably, and Travis Kelsey. Those were the untouchables. Yep. Well, it's just kind of unprecedented to ship a player off like that um, at that point in their career, especially when you're trying to get back and win a Super Bowl. But one thing that I thought of, once Mahomes had that breakout season in 2018, and everyone's talking, oh, could he be one of the next greatest QBs of all time, right, after one season? <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, let's see how he plays down the road in his career when he doesn't have the superstars, when he doesn't have the Travis Kelsey, when he doesn't have the Tyree Kill. Um, and we're about to see this season. I mean, don't get me wrong. Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS are good players. They're not all but they ain't Tyree players. Kill. Um, <laughs> and so we're about to see, can Patrick Mahomes elevate the talent around him? Um, he hasn't really had to do so in his career. So, and I think that's what really separates the great from the greatest is that mm-hmm. ability to elevate the talent. That's why Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have been on the tier, and Peyton Manning were on the tiers that they were for all those years, is because they have that ability to take someone you've never heard of before and make a name out of them. Um, so it'll be certainly interesting to see. Uh, really looking forward to next week for our draft. Um, yeah, we'll see if I can sh- read a couple of mocks and get this thing figured out so I know what I'm talking about all the way through. But uh, I'll, be, I'll be locked in on uh, Thursday. They always seem to drag out the first oh, round it's a quite a three-hour process. Like, you know, <laughs> at least. And then they got to give backstories about, you know, all the people that are getting picked and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care, you know, just give me the pick. And uh, let's move on to the next one. So it'll be interesting. We'll have that episode again out for you next Wednesday. And unless you got anything else, it's time for the final play. Uh, Browns gave Denzel Ward $100 million to play corner. So highest paid corner in the league, I believe. Or possibly. Right. Yeah, highest paid corner in yep. the league 
history, mm. might I add. Five years, 100 mil to play with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I would say that's a joke, but if Deshaun Watson, uh, Watson actually plays this year, they might actually be a pretty good team. Um, <laughs> in fact, they might make the playoffs if he plays. Strong chance of that. Uh, which that remains to be seen. Of course, even though his uh, criminal case was resolved, we'll just say, um, that does not leave him out of what the league office is going to bring down upon him. So who knows when that'll happen, but as we know, the NFL disciplinary policy is wishy-washy, so he'll probably get like four games, and he'll be back in five. Good bet. With that, again, to our listener in Germany, I'm, I'm calling out to you because I've, I've not seen you listen. If you are listening, reach out to either myself or Isaiah on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Let us know. We'll get you on the show. With that, it's time for the final play. And Isaiah, I really had to go through it today to figure out what I want to talk about but I have found it on Twitter I saw a picture the other day that was uh, I guess a billboard that was put out there by PETA which is the uh, what does that stand for pet something 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 Uh, people eating tasty animals yeah so that's not what it is but you get the point People for the ethical treatment of animals. Yeah. So, anyway, it had all these animals lined up in a row. It says, all animals want to live. Where do you draw the line? And on one end, it says pet. And then it has a whole bunch of arrows going down. And at the other end, it says food. And so, in order, you know, you have your cats and your dogs. And as you get towards the middle, you got rabbits. You got a horse standing there. And then you got... The chicken, cow, pig, and a duck. And uh, (laughs) I just think it's funny because this is solely meant to be a rhetorical question (laughs) by PETA. But people have made it it their job to uh, take the photo and draw a line after the horse. So everything to the right, which is basically all the, the meat that you would normally eat. Um is considered food which i mean we're on the same page we agree there um but i gotta rant one more time before this is over about plant-based meat if they're calling it chorizo for example chipotle had chorizo try our plant-based chorizo chorizo. okay well it's not (laughs) chorizo it's plants it's plants it's not chorizo call it a plant call it what it is oh yeah try our our uh are uh, veggie burgers. Okay, it's not a burger. It's vegetables compressed into the form of a hamburger patty. I mean, yeah, sure, they taste relatively similar, but...